Well, we've been uh, looking at that thought in our series on preparing for the last days. And you know, as we've mentioned before, one of the things we notice from Scripture, when Scripture is warning us, prepare for the last days, uh, it all boils down to what's going in our hearts. It's not telling us to go out and prepare in, in natural ways. It's not that we don't do that or won't do that when we see trouble coming. You know, we're, God wants us to be practical people, but yet in reality, the only thing that matters and that's eternal is what's taking place in our hearts, in our spirits. Is, and it's having a heart that can flow with what God is doing in the season we're in. And especially in the, when we're considering the, the season of the last days, we want to be a people who are flowing with what God is saying, what he's directing, you know, what he wants his people to do how he wants us to prepare, how he wants us to hide in him and hear from him and so forth. And, and so I wanted to share a little thought this morning from one of the parables. Um, you know, Jesus often spoke in parables when he was on earth. He was, he was sharing a spiritual truth and he explained it through a, a practical story or a practical illustration. Some people got it and some people didn't, depending on where their heart was. And one of those parables was about new things to come and and how we can be a part of those new things. How can we how we can flow with that and, and in one sense we are a people of revival because we're looking for it. Lord, we need it. Lord, bring revival. We need a revival in our land, we need it in our city, you know, in our in our church, in our homes. Lord, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. And we're trusting God for a mighty uh, flow of new things God is going to do in, in our land and in our church. Really, it's the church that needs that, that move. When the church moves, then our land will kind of follow along. But if the church is not right, how can the, how can the land get right? How can our, our country get right until God's people are walking in the fear of the Lord? And so there's that, that need that His people... The church has to be able to flow with what God wants to do in our day and in the coming days. And uh, if there's anything we learn from church history and past revivals is that God likes to do things new ways. He doesn't like to do things the old way. You know, God would move a certain way in, in one revival and the next way, next revival would be something totally different, a new truth or a new emphasis and very often, I mean, you can you can actually look in in stories and instances of people who participated in one revival. They had trouble accepting how God was moving in the next revival or in the in the next way God wanted to move in His church, and uh, and it, because it was different, you know, they expected, well, God's going to do things how He's done it in the past, and how I've become comfortable with it and acceptable with it, and so forth. But God wants to do new things. And it's so important to be able to flow with him. You know, and, and in the context of revival, yes, but really in, in our lives and in what God is speaking, how he wants to lead us. Because as you know, as I was sharing during the communion, feeling that thought of, of the quickened, God wants to bring us into new things. Well, it's new. <laughs> it's not the same. It's new. That means sometimes it's stretching. We haven't done it before. It's challenging, but we have to open our hearts and say, Lord, just do it. Because with the new thing comes new life, 
comes new strength, new power. We need to flow with the new. And, and so Jesus uh, spoke a parable on this subject. And you might, if you, if you have read the parables and are familiar with them, you might know which one I'm going to read. And so people were coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, why aren't you and your disciples doing things the old way, like us? Right? The, the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing things the old way, but Jesus had come proclaiming a new way, a new and living way to receive new life from the Father. And so he, he gave them an answer with this parable. I don't think they got it, but it's for us to get as a church. Luke 5 and verse 37, he said, Well, no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilt, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put in new bottles, and both are preserved. And no man, having drunk the old wine, straightway desires the new, for he says the old is better. Now, we're reading the, the, the King James. They use the word bottles. Um, of course, um, what it's really talking about is animal skins that they would use to put wine in, um, and they would, they would put the freshly uh, trampled grape juice, squeezed grape juice in that, and, and they would just leave it there, and it would ferment. And, of course, a wine skin is basically like a balloon, a bladder, and the, the fermentation process creates CO2, and that thing would just swell up. And if it was a new skin, it would be strong, and it could hold, it could withstand the pressure. And it would swell up for a while, and then it would relax, and you'd have wine, as they, would, did, as they did back then. Of course, it wasn't always safe to drink water that wasn't from a fresh source, so they drank a lot of wine. It wasn't as strong as today. So, uh, and so they had, that, was, that was the process for have, creating the wine, but they always had to use new bottles. If you tried to, to save and say, oh, I'm going to use my old bottle. I, I don't want to get a new, new animal skin or I don't have new skins. Uh, well, the problem is, is that the animal skins, would, they would lose their moisture after time and become brittle. And you know, if you've seen an old dried out skin, it's kind of stiff, kind of like beef jerky or something. And, you know, it, and, and if they tried to put wine in it and the CO2 was created and the pressure came, it would crack and it would burst and all, you know, the, the bottle would be destroyed and the wine would be lost. I think it was the, the Karams, I think uh, Dan Karam, Pastor Karam was sharing how his mom used to make fresh grape juice. You know, they would press the grapes. Of course, they probably had the good Concord grapes. Mm. Yummy. <laughs> but they would make that fresh grape juice. Um, but they said every once in a while, they they put it out on the porch and they'd slowly drink through it. But every once in a while, they'd hear an explosion. Bam! Because they'd left a they'd left the bottle out a little too long and it started to ferment. <laughs> and the CO2 had started. Of course, they stored it in glass bottles, so it was really messy, you know. And and it exploded. But um, in this instance, in the scripture, they're talking about the 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 bottle, the old wineskins being made out of old brittle skin, it can't handle the new thing that God, the new wine, so to speak. And, and what that represents for us is a people who can respond to the move of the Spirit, who can respond to what the Spirit is prompting us in our heart because He's the Lord as Israel on their journey is always leading us on. 
leading us farther in our journey. And to do that, the only way that we can contain the new things that we're going to experience and, and come into is by being those flexible wineskins. You know, that generation that came out of Egypt, the problem was is they just were not flexible. That whole generation, all they did was look back. The old is better. Oh, remember all the good stuff we ate in Egypt, the onions and the leeks and the garlic and the spices and uh, whatever else they ate there. I don't know. Egyptian cucumbers, yeah. Lots, lots of fresh fruit and food. Uh, and now they only had manna to eat. Of course, manna was called angel's food too. So you're, you're in good company eating manna. But, you know, the problem was is they, they weren't flexible. They would face another situation, a trial, a, a, a something new God wanted to test them in or work in their hearts. And they had no flexibility. They always just went back. And when, you know when you compare the old with the new and the new at the start is always kind of challenging. Well, the old, you never remember the hard times. You only remember the good times, right? Remember back in the day, that was so wonderful. And you only remember the good times. You know, you look, you look back through rose colored glasses. You look forward through, you know, with your natural eyes because you're in it. And that's what that generation did. They were old wineskins. And sometimes you think, well, God, you, you caused them all to die in the desert. You wouldn't let them in. No, that's not how it was. They were old wineskins. They, they couldn't come in. They couldn't come into what God had for them because their heart was always looking back. He had to wait for that new generation. Old, old bottles become set in their ways and inflex, uh, inflexible. Is that right? Unflexible? Not flexible? <laughs> Stiff? When Jesus appeared to Israel, it was another generation of old wineskins. Well, a lot of them were. There were, there were some that responded. All right. And in one sense, Israel, they came or they were looking for Christ to come in a specific way. He said, we, we will only accept our Messiah if he comes and delivers us from the Romans. That's an old wineskin. Lord, I'll only serve you if you'll do this, that, and the other for me in a certain way. Well, God might have mercy and do that for us, but it's being an old wineskin and we, you know, we're not going to come into what he has for us. And that was so sad for that generation. But there were some new wineskins in there. But you know, that, that warning that Jesus is giving to these, these people who ask this question, and really it's to every generation, you know, will we be a new wineskin is the question he's asking. Remember Pastor Bailey shared a story He's, I think he has this in a couple of his books and um, of an evangelist. I think it was in France. And this evangelist went around ministering in churches and, and he was, uh, God was using him to bring people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And, you know, it was like many revivals would break out when he'd go and minister in places. And, um, and there were a couple of mainline denominational churches he went to and he just went there and spoke and and it's like the move of the Spirit started and people started getting baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit. And, and it was wonderful. It was a new life. 
and he would just keep going around. And, and after a few years, he came kind of back in the circuit and he came back to those same denominational churches. And it's like he had never been there. They stopped flowing in the new wine and what God was doing. And they went back to their old ways. And, and he was just so surprised. He's like, who would not want to flow in the new ways? And so he went to the Lord and the Lord told him from the parable, the Lord said to, to this evangelist, he said, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins because they, they had become satisfied with where they were. You know, they didn't want, they'd attained a certain level and certain experiences in God. And they said, well, we're not really interested in anything else. You know, even though they received it at first, they kind of went back to what was comfortable. But in so doing, they had become brittle inflexible wineskins. One of the traits of the Galileans, they were, they were, could be rash, you know, they could be hot headed. They were involved in a lot of, uh, some of the, the uprisings in, in Israel back in the day where people would rise up and, you know, say, we're not going to follow the Romans or we're not going to follow this or that. And there'd be certain uprisings and, you know, Galileans could flow with that and, and, and so forth. So there, there were some negativity to that, but yet, there was also a positive positivity in that they flowed with Jesus. When he came, they saw him and they were ready to go. They were ready to follow him into something totally new. Even though at times they didn't understand it. Like John 6, they were like, whoa, Lord, we have to eat your flesh and drink your blood. And he said, are you going to leave me? And said, like, well, where else are we going to go? We don't, this is tough. This is stretching. It was like the fermentation process was stretching their, their, their wineskins out to the max. But it kind of increased their capacity to receive from the Lord and to follow him. You know, and, and it's kind of typified by their, their response to Jesus' question. He, he said, he walked up to the, to the disciples and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they, I don't know if they looked at each other and looked back at him, and they dropped their nets and followed him right away. You know, God was leading them into something fresh, and he could do that because they were new wineskins. They were open and ready to, to, for God to do something new in them and through them. And of course, we're not just talking about revival and, you know, the move of God in the last days, but every step in our journey God wants to bring us into something new. And it, it could be stretching. There might be a little CO2 <laughs> emitted in our situation that stretches us, that you know, is not always comfortable, that's challenging. But we want to be like those, it says in, in Revelation 14 and verse 4, that wonderful group who's standing in eternity on, on Mount Zion. And one little phrase that always jumps out at me, now, there's lots of qualifications it talks about, but it says they followed the lamb wherever he led them. They were new wineskins. The Lord led them into lots of new things, but they followed him because they wanted what he was offering. Often that time of preparation in our walk with God or in our life is involved in, in that new wineskin process. You think about David. God chose him to be king but he prepared him in some challenging ways. I mean, the first 10 years of David's experience was pretty rough, wasn't it? You know, 
he had a good time under Saul in the beginning. I mean, he was kind of became quickly rose up the ranks and became one of Saul's premier officers. Uh, but then for about eight or 10 years, he had, he fled in the wilderness and had a challenging time. You know, if you were thinking, you know, if you were thinking of, well, how, what, how would I prepare someone to be king and reign over Israel? You know, like if you would set up a school for royalty, you wouldn't think, well, I'm going to send them off into the desert and I'm going to have someone chase after them for 10 years, <laughs> you know, and they fear for their life. But that's what God did in David. But in one sense, that's what formed him into a man after God's own heart. It made him a new wineskin, constantly seeking, Lord, do, Lord, meet with me. Do something new. Lord, deliver me. Lord, save me. Lord, meet with me in this uh, fortress, in the rocks that I, as I'm hiding in, be my fortress. You know, it, it did something in David. And he learned to submit to God. And God used him to produce a, a fine wine, so to speak, for Israel. And he became a king, but also a priest, because he learned to worship God in the wilderness. And of course, we know the story of him bringing the ark to to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, and he did some new things. Some things that even the, the, the priests of old wouldn't even imagine of bringing the ark out of the, temp, the temple and putting it, or, or of the tabernacle at Shiloh, putting it in a tent on Mount Zion, which a few years before was a heathen city, but now it had been conquered and it became the capital of Jerusalem. But, but it was because David was a new wineskin. And I think that's a picture of the last days in the sense that God is going to do something totally new and amazing in our day and in the days to come. You know, the ark of God is going to be in our midst. His glory is going to be evident. And he wants to use us in that. But there's going to be some preparation. There's going to be some times uh, that in the people he's going to use where they have to just trust in him because it's like, Lord, it seems like everyone's out to get me or the situations or this or that. And Lord, it's so overwhelming. It's, it's challenging. But God's doing a new work. He's making us new wineskins. If we will say, Lord, I'll follow you where you lead me. Where, where else can I go? You have the words of life, as the disciples said. Now, there is our part, and I'll kind of close with this thought because you know, God does his part. It's really a divine work of becoming a new wineskin, but yet there is our part, right? If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? As the saying goes, there is a challenge because to become a new wineskin, the obvious thing is we have to let go of the old, the old ways. You know, the, and the old wine, he, they, he included that, the old wine or the old ways always seem better because we've already done it, we're comfortable with it, it's, we're used to it, it's easy for us, we understand it, we can comprehend it, but the new way, we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we don't know what's up and what's down because he's taking us through in a whirlwind of, of experiences and challenges and sometimes tragedies, and we have to say, Lord, what's going on here? But sometimes God orchestrates that just so we can let go of the old, of our abilities of, of trusting in our own ways. 
and allow God to bring us into the new. You know, Ezra, in the days of the restoration of the temple, when they were restored from Babylon and, um, and they started building the temple, it wasn't to the same uh, glory, but he had a plan there. He had a plan to restore his people. And it's going to be different. They completed the foundation, and it says there were some there that greatly rejoiced at what God was doing. He was doing something new, but there were some that wept because they thought, well, and, and rightly so in one sense because, you know, it was because of their sin that, that the old had been destroyed, but yet God was doing something new. And in one sense, that's our, that's our choice. Which group do we want to be with? Do we want to look rejoice because, oh God, you're doing something new and I'm going to flow with that? Or are we going to look at the old and weep and say, Lord, woe is me. Because the, the old, you're asking me to give up the old. But God wants us to flow. I read a story of, of a man as, who was a part of the Azusa Street Revival back in the early 1900s. And he saw the miracles that took place. Thousands of people healed. Um, you know, and he took part in them. He saw the physical glory cloud come upon them in that meeting house. Uh, fire. You know, people literal, saw literal flames coming out of the building. So much so they called the fire department. So it's on fire. And the fire department would come. And there wasn't a fire, but the, the fire of the spirit was there. And people saw it, you know. But after about three and a half years, things started to die down and, and it came to an end. And there was a certain brother there that he, he so missed what he had experienced there that he said he would just go to that old warehouse and weep and mourn over what had ceased. And he just kind of kept looking back at, at, the, at what had happened. And it went on for years. And, and his testimony at the end of his life he told someone that he had missed out because for years he only focused on what he had lost instead of focusing on what God wanted to do through him after that move. And you know, the Azusa Street, in one sense, it, it, it started the missionary movement of the Pentecostal missionaries um, because obviously Azusa Street was not a, a well-oiled machine. It was just people trusting the Lord and living by faith. And there were missionaries that went all over the world from there without support, just living by faith, just trusting God. God led them to all these different countries. But this man went there and wept over the old. And he missed out for a long portion of his life of God doing something new. And that, that kind of really stuck stuck out to me. It's like he was a part of a huge revival, but you know, that's not enough. It's flowing with the new things God wants to do in our lives and in our midst. A wise person once said, you can't live your future through your past. We could have had a, maybe we had a good past or maybe we had a, a rocky past, a tough past, but that doesn't determine our future if we're walking with God because God can make all things new. That's true for individuals, churches, denominations, even our country, thank God, that God can renew us, make us new as we follow him. And so we want to focus on what God wants to do in us today because he has a plan and a purpose. And that kind of leads us to the, the final point, the second part on our part, 
You know, we have to let go of the old, but then we have to embrace the new. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it is written, eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And I think we can, we can embrace that for our individual lives. We can embrace that for our church, for our fellowship. Lord, you have new things for us as we follow you. Things we can't even imagine, we can't see. And, and even if you know, we don't even come into the fulfillment of it, like Abraham, you know, even just participating in it through faithfulness, through prayer, through support, through being a part of that, we have that inheritance that we won't even fully see till eternity as we follow him. And so we want to believe for those new and fresh things that God has prepared for us. And really, that one of the main challenges in our journey is we go through all these difficulties, the battles, the valleys, like Christian going through the valley of the shadow of death. We're studying a Bible study. We don't see the end, but we have to believe that God is going to bring us into something new. That's the only thing that gets us through, right? If we don't believe that God is going to bring us out and has new things for us, we'll never get through the valley. We'll never get through the, you know, the, the shakings and the difficulties and the, the battles that we have to face. That, that has to be our main motivation. We have to believe that God is going to bring us into something new and we have to set our heart upon that. Set ourselves in the pathway of God directing us, allowing Him to work, expecting Him to lead us in a good way. Now, there were two farmers who prayed for rain. It was dry and they needed rain on their land. And, and one farmer prayed, Lord, let it rain. Let it rain upon my land. And then he waited for a sign from God. Another farmer prayed this exact same prayer. Lord, let it rain upon my land. But then he went out and plowed and planted. And the question is, which one believed? It's the one who made himself he started walking in that way, who received, that, who prayed that prayer by faith, but then believed that God would do something new and something good. And so there's steps that we have to take in order to believe God's word for our lives, to start to seek him and pray as if he is a faithful God. That's the best way to pray, right? We pray, Lord, I'm going to pray as if you are faithful and you do hear my prayers and you will answer them. That's how our prayers are answered. We, you know, we have to start to live our lives like his promises are true and he's going to do it. To obey his words of preparation, taking off the old and putting on the new, receiving the new. And so as we're considering how we can prepare for the last days, one of these things Jesus is telling us is, is what we have to be in our heart is you know, one aspect. You know, we've talked about different qualities, but the overall aspect of our heart is we have to be new wineskins. Sometimes we can have, we could be good in one area, but kind of stiff in another. And so, you know, in a wineskin, maybe, maybe one, all the area of the wineskin is good, but there's this one spot that's hard and brittle, you know, that you know that's the spot that's gonna break. 
It only takes one spot, one crack for the wine to, to flow out. One fly in the ointment, as Ecclesiastes says. And so we have to say, Lord, just immerse me so that I could be soft and flexible to what you want to do, what you want to bring me into. Able to receive the new things that he would say that he would do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. I think really we need fresh faith, you know, because it, with our eyes, we just see things going down, down, down. But we have to have those eyes of faith to believe that God is going to arise. God is going to meet with us, that God's doing something in this season. And I really think the church is in a season of preparation where our hearts are being prepared for what he wants to do because it's going to be different. It's going to be new. And if, you know, the only way we can be flowing with that is if our hearts are soft and pliable. Lord, help me to flow with what you want. Help me to receive the new wine. And so we have to believe for God to do something fresh and new in our lives, in our church, in our fellowship, and in our land. Father, we thank you that your plan is good. It's perfect, Lord. And we desire to be like those new wineskins. Lord, we cry out to you for grace and mercy. Lord, would you help us to put off the old ways? Lord, would you even reveal in our lives if there's areas that are, are stiff, that aren't flexible, that, that, Lord, need to be softened with the oil of your spirit? Lord, would you just come and do that? Lord, we invite you today. Lord, just come into our lives in a new and a fresh way. And Lord, we just ask, Lord, that as you do that, that, Lord, would you give us those eyes of faith to see and believe, Lord, for new things, for new life, for new pasture, for a new land and a new inheritance. And Lord, for, for Lord, wonderful things that will be eternal, that will last for forever, that we can have in eternity with you. Oh God, we just look to you. Make us new wineskins that we can receive the new things that you would give, give to us and give to your church, your people. Oh God, in these days and in the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.